you've decided to go to a nearby restaurant. You ask the hostess to seat you in a booth. As you sit, you notice an animated conversation among the four seated behind you. They're talking about Star Wars and Doctor Who and something called the Laugh Olympics. These are the people you used to pants in high school, and yet you cannot help listening. Unable to tear your ears away, you realize you've just been sucked into the Dinner for Geeks. Dinner for Geeks, weekly at twotruefreaks.com. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. We all remember seeing years ago those futuristic drawings saying what the future is going to be. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. Gleaming buildings, fast monorails. This is the future. It was all started by a man. Twice the size of Manhattan. We want you to share with us our latest and greatest dreams. Walt Disney World. Better than any other urban environment in America. Two True Freaks proudly presents... We hope that it will be unlike anything else on this earth. Golf courses, campgrounds, stores, hotels. Earning My Ears. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for everyone who participates. We're ready to go right now. So there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Just a dream away Well, it sounds pretty good. In fact, that's just the right spirit. Our songwriters, Dick and Bob Sherman of the Walt Disney Studio. The Sherman brothers have written many of the wonderful songs for motion pictures and television shows. And I think this song, written especially for you, captures the spirit of the General Electric Pavilion at the New York World's Fair. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Thanks, Say goodbye man. to the folks. Bye-bye. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow. <laughs> As I said, that's the spirit. Well, a beautiful tomorrow just to dream away. That says we're going places. There's progress ahead. And that's just the mood we want for the whole pavilion. Here, for example, is... Uh, a scale model of the General Electric Carousel Theater, a theater in which the audience itself moves in their seats around the stages. The actors, well, they're not real people, but they are a talented and interesting cast. We call them audio-animatronic figures, and they talk and act like human beings. The Carousel Theater will present a warm and entertaining portrayal of how life has changed through electrical energy. The same kind of exciting and unique entertainment is what we're planning for every area of the General Electric Pavilion. So, see you at the fair, and remember... There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Just a dream away
Hi, I'm Scott Gardner, and welcome to a very special episode of Earning My Ears. Special because in this episode, we're crossing over with the Two True Freaks Network proper to include many of the other awesome podcasters that you can hear there on a regular basis. Recently, I had the opportunity, the awesome opportunity, to travel to Long Island, New York for a comic book convention called Eternal Con. While I was there, my good friend and co-host of the Back to the Bins podcast, producer Paul Spataro, took me and some of our other visiting friends and colleagues to Flushing Meadows Park, at my suggestion, of course, to visit the site of the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. And I don't know that the other fellas and lady who joined us, I don't know that they were quite prepared for my level of excitement at this opportunity. I really geeked out over this. Now, as you may or may not know, the 6465 New York World's Fair holds special significance to Disney Parks fans, particularly in relation to Walt Disney World. As you're about to hear, I shared a little bit of that info and knowledge and geekery with my pals, as I kind of played impromptu tour guide, and we recorded a short, live, totally unrehearsed, on-the-road installment of Earning My Years, which you're about to hear. Now, I do apologize for some of the unevenness of the audio. I've tried to clean it up as much as possible. I've also heavily edited it for content and to maintain our family-friendly standard here on the show. As I said at the opener, I consider this a crossover episode of sorts, so if you're interested in hearing the lead-up to this trip to Flushing Meadows, check that out over at Two True Freaks. It's the episode entitled The Two True Freaks Go to Eternal Con Part 1. It's uh, really zany, and it's everything that happened before the start of this episode, plus my initial reactions to the sight of the fairgrounds, seeing it from a distance and as we were walking up. Uh, to different things that were there just before I started recording what you're about to hear. Now, I have to warn you, if you do go back and listen to that, just keep in mind that the content of that episode, not family-friendly, okay? So mind the little ears that may be about. That said, let's go to the fair. All right, so we, oh my gosh, we have so many people here. So, okay, I'm Scott Gardner, and this is Earning My Ears, special on-the-road edition. We are actually at Flushing Meadow, is it Meadow or Meadows with an S? Meadows with an S. It's two Meadows. In New York, (laughs) two Meadows. And we are, I mean, I'm standing, yes, I am, I'm I'm almost speechless, between the Unisphere (laughs) and the original spot of the Carousel of Progress. I'm here with Chris Honeywell, with Bill Robinson, Paul Spataro, Tim Elliott, and J. David Weeder. Tim Elliott's wife, I missed your name. Fanula. I'm sorry. Fanula. Fanula? Uh-huh. That's a new one on me. I like that. It's pretty. When Arnold says it's Fanula. <laughs> Alright, guys, so I know I've said this a couple of times already, but seriously. If it wasn't for what happened here in 1964 and 65, I wouldn't have the job I have today. And the reason for that is, let me turn this music down, is Walt Disney. Let's get this. one of those like Disney type dances. The bird I mean, sits on your people finger. are walking by. They're gonna think he's a tour guy. Just like everybody's like, nah. nah. So you know, it people walking by saying, "You're a jerk." So <laughs> Disney, <laughs> move out of the way. <laughs> so Disneyland opened in 1955. 
a lot of people, even Roy, you know, Walt's brother Roy, didn't really believe in Walt's dream. That was his big thing was this, you know, what they saw as an amusement park. Nobody could kind of get their mind around what <clears throat> Disneyland was actually going to be. Open was a huge smash hit and everything. And Walt wanted to do more. He wanted to go bigger than that. But he wasn't really sure, nobody was really sure, would it work for the East Coast audience? Were they the same audience that was coming to Disneyland or that would want to go to Disneyland? So when he heard that New York was going to have another World's Fair, very similar to the one they had in 1939 and 40, which was such a big thing during that time, he wanted to be a part of it. So he created four pavilions. One of them was right here, the Carousel of Progress, which still exists today because when it closed here after the, I think it was in October of 65, they moved it to Disneyland for a number of years. It ran there until 73, I think. And then it came to where it's still operating today at Walt Disney World. Virtually the same ride. I mean, it's the same you know, building and everything. They just transported it across the country a couple of times. And they had It's a Small World, which was sponsored by Pepsi at the time. It was a part of the UNICEF thing, you know, for kids. From where we're standing, I'm not sure where that was. I want to say it was on the other side of the Unisphere, but I'm not 100% sure on that. That, of course, still operates. The one that's in Disneyland is pretty close to the one that was actually here. The one in Walt Disney World is kind of a mirror of that one, but it's it's a little bit different. It doesn't have the boat thing in the in the outside. Doesn't view. have the boat that drops down into the. I'm hoping they add that. Although you know, if the movie had done better, maybe they would actually. It's funny. I made that joke just the other day when I was in Fantasyland with my wife. Um, I'm so excited at the moment. I can't even think straight. Let me think. The other. I wish audio could capture the twinkle in your eye. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm so excited. This is what I want to do in the parks. I want to do tour guiding like this. Ever since I was a small boy in Illinois, I've had a great personal admiration for Abraham Lincoln. So when we decided to recreate some of the great moments in Mr. Lincoln's life for the World's Fair, we directed all our energies to that task. We wanted to bring to the people of today the inspiring words of the man who held this nation together during its moment of greatest crisis, the Civil War. During our exhaustive research into Lincoln's life, we studied his mannerisms, his gestures, and even his voice characteristics to create a faithful likeness of this honored man. The final result is so lifelike that you might find it hard to believe. So when you visit the fair, be sure and stop by the state of Illinois Pavilion and spend a few moments with this great man. So he did for the Illinois Pavilion, he did Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, which still exists, it still runs out in Disneyland, and that was kind of the inspiration for what's at Walt Disney World, the Hall of Presidents, where it has all of the presidents, but this was just Lincoln. And seems kind of simple and quaint today, but at the time, a lifelike robotic man who stood up and spoke and was eloquent and you know all of this was was really amazing to people and and drew drew major crowds and then the last one the one that there's literally a plane going right over our head the last one the one where there's not as much left of it now was uh for uh henry ford who um i think this was henry henry ford's son if i'm not mistaken henry ford the second but Walt actually created uh, the attraction for his pavilion for Ford Motor Company, and it was called uh, Magic Skyway, I think was the name of it. And you got into a car. It was kind of like 
imagine getting in those ride vehicles, or not ride vehicles, but those tables that they have at like the sci-fi dining theater, like it looks like a car, and you went in and you went through, and it was, I don't know what it had to do with cars, but you went into like the primeval world, essentially. And out in Disneyland, and I just asked somebody who, who was there, and they said it is still there. If you go on the railroad that goes all the way around Disneyland, you actually go through a show scene called Primeval World, and it shows a Stegosaurus and a T-Rex fighting each other. Those are the animatronics from that attraction that was here in 64. And if you go on Ellen's Energy Adventure in Epcot, there's a scene in there where you come around the corner after the Brontosauruses, or whatever they call them, Brachiosauruses now, of the same two it's not the same things but that show scene is based on the show scene from that so that's like everything that was here disney kind of still exists somewhere in the world which i just think is really cool but it was such a huge success for for wall i mean those four pavilions are to this day probably the ones that most people still talk about and small world you know instantly became a song that the entire world knows doesn't really know where it comes from it comes from here from that you know when it was here as a pavilion now i know what my goal to go back in time is stop it's a small <laughs> by the way the, the attraction was ford's magic skyway it's magic skyway that's right and now your host henry ford second welcome aboard ford motor company's magic skyway an adventure created by the incomparable walt disney a voyage through time and space from a dark and distant yesterday to a bright and promising tomorrow. I hope you will all have an entertaining trip. And now, here to tell you about your journey is Walt Disney. Thank you, Mr. Ford, and hello, friends. I'll be riding along to point out some of the things you're going to see from your front row seat in Mr. Ford's automobiles. Thanks to some old-fashioned magic we call imagination, this Ford Motor Company car will be your time machine for your journey, carrying you far back in time to the dawn of life on land and transporting you far out into the future. But that's getting far ahead of our story. Right now, we're leaving the world of today behind. So if your imagination is ready, here we go. I'm thinking it does because spheres kind of, kind of. Bucky Dome, isn't it? Isn't it really? Well, yeah. Well, you know, they they kind of have um, a resonance with World's Fairs because in the in the thirty nine forty World's Fair, which okay. also happened at this exact spot, you had the Parasphere and Trilon. So you had that that round, you know, that symbol right. for that fair. And then when they came up with this fair, you know, they come up with the Unisphere, which I, you know, I was telling you guys before we started recording, I had no idea it was this big. I really thought it was going to be about the size of the one over at, like, Universal Studios in Orlando. And to see that it's about the same size as Spaceship Earth really blows me away. I really, I, I'm completely flabbergasted that it's that huge. So that's really cool. I can only imagine that it, that's like a visual tie-in with Spaceship Earth. Whether Buckminster Fuller had anything to do with this one, I don't know, because his thing was kind of domes and spheres and all that. But I I wouldn't be surprised. But I just... It's so cool. I mean, just the the history, you know, right where we are is just amazing to me. So cool. Never came. We were upstate. Yeah. We were very, very upstate. How and far are you? How, how far would it get you to get your address? Like uh, it took six hours. 
six, it, it took six hours. Uh, somehow, somehow we got in early. I can't. I don't know how it got. It's it's certainly not close enough that you just feel like oh, just hop in the car and go. You'd have to make plans to do right. it. Right. It's it's the equivalent of going to another state. See, I don't even remember even knowing about this as a kid. Do you? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, the whole oh, deal with the World's it's Fair. Like, and Is, like, the no, one at Universal about half that size? Oh, the, yeah, the one at Universal is I've seen, puny. I've, compared, I've, yeah, puny. I've seen, like, puny sphere. Don't even call yourself a car <laughs> I'm sorry. Tiny. I've seen a segment of this from a car before. Like, when I was in college, my first girlfriend was from Brooklyn, so I always used to go home with her. And... Oh. All right, I need somebody to... You want a shot with your phone? Yeah, if you would. I'm going to have to right. unlock it for the hands. How does that not sound evil? <laughs> that may be true, actually. Oh, it's, it's playing. It's playing. It's not. Evil. Yeah, I'm going to turn off this. Uh... <laughs> I know that was geeky, but I couldn't help it. I couldn't expect anything less. You know, I wanted to come here all my Disney life, you know what I mean? Ever since I got hooked. So at this point, we just began wandering around the grounds a bit, just checking things out. I was looking for remnants, essentially. Anything that might have been left, certain landmarks. We'd seen this great website before we'd gone there that talked about what was left, which, frankly, is not much. But I was looking for anything that we could find that was kind of a remnant of either of the World's Fairs that had happened there. And we chanced across this beautiful mural that was all laid out on the ground it was some sort of stone i don't know what i don't know marble or something and there were two of them there was one on the left that was the that was commemorating the 1939 40 new york world's fair with the Parisphere and trilon if you don't know what i'm talking about listen to tales of the justice society of america michael bailey and i talk about this all the time the other one, of course, was commemorating the one that I was really there to see, which was the 64-65 World's Fair. And so I was looking for things like the General Electric Pavilion and the UNICEF Pavilion and things like that, familiar things. And I made a really cool discovery. All right, so this here, this is the, what we're looking at is, uh, is an engraving that's on the ground here. This is the Tower of the Four Winds, which is a structure. I'm not sure how high it was. It was pretty high. Stood in front of the UNICEF Pavilion for It's a Small World. Today, if you go to Walt One Man's Dream in Disney's Hollywood Studios, there's a little display case that has all kinds of just random artifacts in it. One of them is a Lincoln anim audio animatronic. You guys have probably seen him where he's like half naked looking. You can see the inner workings. Yeah. Behind Lincoln is a model of the Tower of the Four Winds, oh, this structure here, wait, which... Wait, wait, time out. Did you bring enough for everybody, no. Paul? <laughs> you already answered the question before you asked it. I don't know there would be so many people. <laughs> Ice cream. But if you ever watch, um, I think it's Disneyland goes to the World's Fair. There's a part where Walt is walking through, talking to the different people working on the attractions, and he actually stops and talks to somebody. And right there in the frame with him is that same model of the Tower of the Four Winds that's now at, at Walt Disney World. That's, I just think that's really cool. Oh, look, there's one for, for 1939 oh, Animal uh, Richard Dawson from the Running Man. Is that what that? <laughs> yeah, that's Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. you're right. Oh, you're right. Oh, that is cool. What is this? I like this. Um, like yeah, I'm not sure. Some retro futuristic. Yeah, oh, I 
I'm not sure what they see. There's the sky buckets. By the way, everything that we're seeing and commenting on, we took plenty of pictures of. Wow. Go to our Facebook Yo. group to see all of them. The Parisphere, after the, the close of the 40 uh, World's Fair, uh, they tore it down and used it for scrap. But was it, it was here? Was it, you think it was at that location? I or? think... You know, that's a great question. I'm not really... Because let me see. This, this I, I'm assuming, is the Parisphere on this one. I mean, the uh, Unisphere on this one. Yeah, because this is the... Wow. I wish Mike Bailey could be here to see this. He'd think this was cool. 39 year of Batman? Yeah. Makes me think of Generations. Every time I think of the World's Fair, 1939 World's Fair, Superman, Batman, I was just going to say, Generations, yeah. This here, where is it? I spotted it here a second ago. That one. That one's the Carousel of Progress. That's cool. What's with the what's the ladder? Or is that just symbolic? I'm not sure. Lights, maybe? I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a number of the pavilions. I'm not sure what they actually were when they were here. Oh, wow, that's cool. Epcot, it? it does look like Epcot. That even looks like a monorail beam running by right there. That totally looks like Epcot. Yeah. That looks like the Tomorrowland Arcade over in... Uh, actually, it's not an arcade anymore, but... Wow. God, this is cool. You know, I, I had the slightest concern coming here that I would get depressed, and it, it, it's not at all. I actually, That's good. <laughs> you know, I see it. I see it the other way around. It's like this was a, a jumping-off point for, you know. Oh, you were, like could get depressed because it was just gone. Yeah, so you know. Basically ruined. And well, that and be a disappointment. Not, no, not, not even that. Just that you know, like like Chris said, that it's gone, and I mean, a lot of the promises that it made never really happened but I'm like one of the few people I know that actually thinks the days we're living in are pretty cool I think if these people could have jumped ahead in time 50 years yeah oh yeah I think they'd be oh, pretty impressed been, there would have been some stuff that they were like sketchy on but then there would have been some stuff that they were just like oh cell phones I mean we may not have flying cars but we have the internet I mean we would not be doing this Without the internet. Right. I mean, right. think you know about what? that. You in, know? In, in 1964 and 1965, they weren't predicting the internet. They weren't even predicting no. communications or, or entertainment is what it is today between, right. you know, home movies and all, all the stuff that we have, cable being what it is. You had some people in, like in the late 70s, early 80s who were getting some sort of idea of, what the, of the internet and what it could be, but they really still didn't <laughs> he can't take it anymore. He's got to get some ice cream. It is hot. It is hot. And I know you it's have. An, I know you have. A, it is. I know you have an agenda for today, so I don't want to no, hold this really. up. So. Not oh, really. okay. I mean, uh, I, I was from here. I was figuring on going to the comic book store. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. I thought you might. I was saying, in all the times I've walked by here, which are, you know, quite a few That's over the years, I've seen. I don't remember ever yeah, ever walking by that. that. Like many times, as a matter of from fact, here it looks like Prometheus. It looks a it? lot like the one that's in front of. Uh, what do you call it? The Rockefeller 
Which that one's Prometheus, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure that is. That was uh, there was like in the beginning of like Night Court or something like that. They had a shot, uh, like some sitcom. They I'm had a shot sure. Once getting back to the internet, I'm sure we could look that up yeah. and find out exactly where. where. Okay. From here, we wandered over to take a look at the New York State Pavilion, one of the last remaining original structures of the fair, and the only remaining pavilion. It doesn't have any direct connections to Disney as far as the event in 64 and 65 goes, but there was one connection I couldn't help but mention. You know, I didn't even mention the, the you know, what's on my t-shirt and hat, the, the Stark Expo connection, of course, which was all, you know, CGI'd, but still pretty impressive. I was watching that at work the other night when I was on break. I had it playing in the break room, and I was impressed all over again that, you know, for it all being CGI, I mean, it really looks like they came and just cleaned the place up, you know? It looks like they're really here, and they're not. There it is. Bill. Oh. Remember the... You saw the site, right? Did anybody else look at the site that I posted? Oh, yeah, that was... Like, that, that like was what remains? Yeah. Oh, yeah, see? There's... Is that, is that the one that says Avenue of Progress? Yeah, there you go. That's there Avenue you go. of Africa, that one. I was looking. I was trying to find the one that was Avenue of Progress. I wanted to get a Maybe picture with that there. one. Could be. Oh, we can keep going. I just thought that was cool. See, I'm trying to figure out which vista, which one of these long stretches here is the one from the beginning of Tomorrowland. Where, anybody else see Tomorrowland? No, no I haven't seen it. Sorry. Where the kid gets off is the bus... The What's that? Is that the problem with the movie? It, the it is, and it's a shame because oh, that was a low blow. Well, no, but that's the problem. Nobody's it is. Going Nobody's to going to see it because it's, it's the same problem they had with Sean Carter. They didn't. They the didn't. critics pretty much scared him off. They did. That's exactly what happened. But here's the two main problems you had: either cynical critics who saw the movie and said, "Eh, eh, eh you know," because yeah, well, I think there's. But you also had people that saw it and just didn't, didn't they didn't it. get it they just didn't understand well, what it was a, I, I think there's like problems with the script and it's that guy Lindelof who did Lost and, he can't yeah. end stuff he doesn't know how to end stuff satisfyingly although this was one of his better ends it was still just sort of a battle and I think if you if you don't see the stuff the, if you don't get the whole like future thing you're get, that stuff's gonna just like drive you. All the exposition in it's gonna drive you nuts. But I was eating it with a spoon. Every I every bit it. of dialogue, and I was looking for little hidden hidden things in there everywhere. But you got you got to you also got to accept the fact. And this is not an insult in any way. In fact, it's a compliment. Your tastes don't right. always go to mainstream. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I know. I, I think with this movie, and I think that's good. You 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 make your, your own mind what you like. You know, you're not letting. Uh, you know, I in this case, I don't have legs on TV and cable and kids. Are, I, I think this is going to be this generation's Tron, where years from now people will appreciate it. Be like that was, a, that, yeah, that was a really yeah that was. I mean, it's Brad Bird, so they'll go through the Brad Bird yep. filmography and go like, yeah, you know, this one got a lot of heat when it came out, but. But I think it also is the kind of movie Me too. <laughs> that it was it was well made in that philosophy. I was actually concerned so about bringing shorts. Actually, I really was interested in that. So if you're not, the movie is just not made for. It was like a mass it's not made for people who who, who have a, a rosy idea a, for the future. It was a mass marketed movie, but it's a mass marketed movie that's only going to appeal to what well, maybe like. 
10% of the people who like get it, you know? You know, they gotta be careful with movies like that. If you're gonna make a movie that's marketed for a smaller community, then you gotta cut your budget. Yeah, yeah, well, you, you can't, you know, I, can't I, put a huge budget on something that you know is not gonna have a mass audience. Well, shouldn't have done very well, but it did really well, you know. That, that, that I could not have been conceived as a lot like Guardians of the Galaxy, you know. I was afraid that what's happening to Tomorrowland was going to happen to Guardians. I really was. No, Guardians has much more mass appeal, you know. It's not as... It's not... Well, I don't know. It is a kind of a nerd-out film, actually. No, but see, Guardians was not an idea that people had knowledge of that they were going to jump on. But I think the people who did bankroll the movie, ultimately, which is Marvel Studios, (laughs) I think they they saw the script before they okayed that budget. And they knew, we have something here that is is going to appeal to a mass audience. Yeah, they knew that with that movie. Well, I think Guardians is a lot like Star Trek IV. Star Trek 4 is non-Star Trek fans, they ask anybody, they're going to say, one of the whale. So, it, yep. it appeals to not only to nerd, us, but also has a very massive appeal. Right. So Guardians did that, too. Yeah. Tapped into, uh, yeah. and it helped that people to know what it was. I, I mean, I was sitting in Tomorrowland punching Scott McGregor in the, so- in the arm every five seconds because I'm like, dude, that's my Illum- Illuminati idea. This is an Illuminati idea. This is what I want to do. <laughs> the whole thing of like how how dystopian history feeds on itself it was just like somebody needs to mow the lot in front of this place they're hanging for some reason so this is what they the model they use for the start mm-hmm. yep now did he like come through the center of that circle of the movie yep that's also where he flew out when he realized that Rhodey had been compromised and was locking on to him uh-huh. and that he was the target. Because I was watching that at work and I was saying, you know, there's another dig at all the Man of Steel people right there because he's concerned for the populace, so he flies away. Yeah. I want to get Gardner in there with Honeywell and then I want 20 Quatloos on the newcomer. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyable for you me. You made an old nerd very happy. You did. I was uh, I was misty. Well, now you can maybe have something on Scott Wright, right? Yeah. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed this tribute to the 1964 New York World's Fair. Please gather all of your personal belongings and exit through the doors located at the back of the theater. Have a great big beautiful day, and remember, tomorrow is just a dream away. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. 
So you get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks. Freaks.